Good morning. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, and we're talking all about headaches today. And we have Christina Trippendahl, owner and nurse practitioner at the Headache Center in Ridgeland, Mississippi. And we're going to have lots of exciting things to talk about, up-and-coming treatments in the field of headaches. So if you or someone you know suffers with headaches, please give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 672 You can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back and happy Monday. And because it is Monday, that means it's time for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit in your Southern Remedy lineup. And we're going to be talking all about headaches today. I've got uh, Christina Trippendahl here with me. She is the owner and nurse practitioner at the Headache Center in Ridgeland, Mississippi. She's been on the show with us before, and I don't think I've ever met anybody who is quite as passionate um, about good quality headache care and making sure that people get the right diagnosis and the right treatment for their headaches then this lady right here and the other practitioners that she has at the Headache Center. And we'll talk about how many she's got because she's grown uh, recently and added some additional practitioners. But uh, we would love to talk with you today about um, your headaches, regardless of the type. I know we'll probably wind up spending a good amount of time on migraines because that's always a hot topic. And there's some relatively new treatment uh, out there for migraines as well that she mentioned on the show the last time she was here. So if you want to join in our conversation, our number is one eight seven. Seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or as always, you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Josie. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. As I mentioned, you have um, quite a passion for headache medicine and the accurate and effective treatment of uh, headache disorders uh, because. I mean, tell me about the problem of headaches. It's a massive problem in America, correct? Correct. Actually, um, it's uh, the World Health Organization. It's the sixth leading cause of disability in the world. And I think for women, it's number three. Yeah. So it, it affects. So migraine is probably it is the 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 headache type that affects most people mm-hmm. with any d- degree of um, episodic severe headaches. Um, there's tension type headache out there, but that's not what we usually see in a headache clinic because right. tension type headache, by definition, is mild. So nobody's going to go to the doctor's office or the nurse practitioner's right. office or a specialty treat. clinic yeah. for that, right? Exactly. So the patients that we see, they either have frequent headaches or they're having severe headaches or some form of disability where it's interfering with work or home life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've never had a migraine headache, mm-hmm. which there are people who have not, as a migraine sufferer, it almost boggles my mind that people have not uh, experienced that pain. I'm glad they don't because it is quite terrible. Um, and you can 
you can tell the people that have not like my uh my some people in my family have never had that and they don't quite appreciate when i say i have to go lay down that's true i gotta go lay down so um and there's varying degrees of migraine migraine is not just head pain migraine comes with nausea sensitivity to light noise and not everybody gets all the same features with every single headache so some of the people that we treat their migraines can be bad some days where they're a nine or a ten on the pain scale and sometimes they have what they call their little headache or their regular Mm -hmm. headache or their sinus headache and that might be a a two or a three and they have learned how to work through those at work so people see them functioning at work but a lot of times they have some some degree of head pain and some symptoms whether they be um, autonomic symptoms of eye watering nasal congestion fullness or if they're severe enough that they would actually make somebody nauseated or sometimes even rarely vomit. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the numbers that you're throwing out there, that's a pain scale, right? Mm-hmm. You know, zero is no pain, 10, worst pain you could ever imagine in the history of the world. And and you're exactly right. If I mentioned the fact that I had a headache all the days mm-hmm. that I actually have some degree of headache, people would be tired of hearing me talk about the fact that I have a headache. You know, I'm usually pretty good until I get to four or five mm-hmm. on the pain scale. And mm-hmm. then, then I'll be like, guys, I got a headache. Like, I need for you to simmer down a little bit, you know. Right. Um, migraine affects one in four households because it's a genetic disorder. So if you have migraine in your family, your whole family's affected because mm-hmm. when mama can't do anything with the children, then the father has to pick up the slack, you know. So... Um, Basically, migraine, because there's no biologic marker for it right now, there's not a test that you can take that says you have migraine. It's a diagnosis of history. And because of that, it's it's a silent disorder and it has a lot of stigma associated with it. So like we're having a Miles for Migraine campaign. It's a national run that's run all over the country Mm -hmm. to kind of reduce the stigma and increase awareness that this is a real disorder. Because years and years ago, they didn't have the functional MRIs and all the science that we have now. We know it's not a, a condition of neurotic women. It's actually scientifically proven that there are brain changes right. during a migraine that they can watch in functional imaging. Right. All right. So we're going to take a break with that and go right to the phones because we've got a call um, in Picayune and talk with Linda this morning. Hello, Linda. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, first of all, I would like to say thank you for having this particular topic. I previously was a migraine sufferer. Mm-hmm. And over the last 10 years, thank God, I have not had to deal with migraines. Um, But lately, the last couple of months, when I wake up in the morning, I have a slight headache. Mm. And it's only on like one to two, maybe three level of pain. Mm -hmm. And once I get up and start moving around, uh, within an hour, it's gone. Now, it's not every morning, but I would say four days a week. Okay. And um, I'm aware when I open my eyes, here comes this little mm-hmm. headache. Linda, may I ask your fine. age? I turned 70 this week. Okay. So what you have is a change in pattern and a new onset headache. So I would recommend that you go to somebody who can work this up because because of your age, you're at higher risk for some um, what we call secondary headache disorders, like um, giant cell arteritis is one. There's other things to look at. So you definitely would qualify for somebody who would need a scan. Now, I would not send you to an emergency room to get a scan because the only thing that they should do in an emergency room is a CAT scan 
scan. But what, what you really need is an MRI of your brain mm-hmm. with and without contrast, and then you need some lab markers looked at. So they need to look at your you know electrolytes and your CBC, but they're also going to do what we call a SED rate um, and a CRP to rule out the giant cell arteritis. Anytime there's a change in pattern, Um, or a new onset headache, that should be investigated further. We don't ask that all of our patients get MRIs. Actually, MRIs are overused. But because this is a new onset thing for you, I would get that worked up. I mean, it could be just due to sleep apnea or some other things. But um, I would definitely work that up. Definitely a kind of a regression of headaches and then now a Mm reemergence in a different type of pattern. I agree 100% that that needs to be looked at a little bit closer just to make sure we don't have anything else going on. That That's all very interesting. Um, I have a tremendous amount of stressors, mm-hmm. outside stressors mm-hmm. in my life. And I even, that's why I check my blood pressure mm-hmm. about once a week and, and um, to make sure that that is okay. And I was concerned about, you know, little possibilities of stroke, which I'm otherwise mm-hmm. very, very healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you're um, sometimes if people are overweight, it can cause headaches that are worse with laying down. Mm-hmm. And after you've been laying down, sometimes the headache can get worse. And then once you stand up, the pressure can get better with um, the CSF p- pressure in the brain. So there's a lot of things to, to take into consideration. Yeah, my weight is fine. Good, so, good. Uh, this will be something that I'll, I'll just have to bring up. Um, I'll, I'll have to bring up with my physician Absolutely. and see, see what he things I should do. I would definitely um, make an appointment. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just let just put your worries out there and let them do an exam, first of all, in the clinic and, you know, make sure they don't see anything from that perspective. And then I agree with Christina, probably an image is warranted at this point. Okay. I will right. do that. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Linda. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And if you want to give us a call today, you can. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we're talking all about headaches. And Linda brought up an interesting point um, that I think a lot of people think um, is probably a little bit more related to headache than it actually is, and that's blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So I have lots of patients who come in and say, I want you to check my blood pressure because I have a headache. And, you know, from my perspective in the, in the primary care world, um, blood pressure's got to be pretty stinking high to have caused the pressure in your head to be what's causing your headache. So usually I'll check their pressure and it may be a little elevated, you know, 140s, 150s on the top over, you know, 90 or 100 on the bottom. And I would probably say that the pain of the headache is making their blood pressure go up and not necessarily that their blood pressure is what's causing their headache. Mm -hmm. What do you have to say about that? Well, first thing we do want people's blood pressure to be within the normal range. Uh, Pain of any sort can cause your blood pressure to go up. But when the patient's coming in, since they're not necessarily the expert, what I would do is basically you've got to do a thorough workup. Mm -hmm. The thorough workup is, of course, you're going to do an exam on your patient and a neurologic exam. But the history is so important in migraine. Mm -hmm. Migraine is a diagnosis of history. So I would ask, you know, how often do you get these headaches that your blood pressure is associated with? Um, Are there any other features with the headaches? Do the headaches, um, how severe are they on the pain scale? Where are they in your head? Do they ever move? Do they last longer? than four hours what makes them better what makes them worse do you ever get sick to your stomach or queasy or can't eat during a headache Mm -hmm. uh do do lights and 
noises bother you? A lot of times people say, no, lights and noises don't bother me when mm-hmm. I have a headache. So I ask them, so if I did the cymbals, right? But, um, not the cymbals, but, the you know, little, something. The, something the, the drum real, thing. Yeah. yeah, if my son played tuba right behind you when you had an <laughs> 8 out of 10 headache, right. would that make it worse? They're like, oh, of course, of course that would. Right? And I ask people, does movement make your headache worse? And they say, I don't, I don't think so. So I say, when it's an 8 out of 10, can you run up the stairs right, and run. do jumping jacks? They're like, I would never do that. Right. So it's, it's really about asking the correct questions. The right questions. questions, yeah. And typically I don't say, did anybody in your family have migraine? I said, did anybody in your family have any sort of headaches? Right. Because their parents didn't always get the correct diagnosis. Only 50% of the people who have migraine get the correct diagnosis. And even of those who get the correct diagnosis, less than a quarter of them get the appropriate um, attack or prevention medication plan. Yeah. So deal with blood pressure is it's probably the pain that's making your blood pressure go up. So don't ever discount a headache and just say, oh, I just need to get my blood pressure under control. You absolutely need to get your blood pressure under control for a variety of other reasons. But a headache should always be seen by um, somebody who can ask you the right questions in the right way to get the right diagnosis for you because there's help out there, right? I mean, there's so many different treatment options. And, And the world of headache medicine is really exploding right now. We went through the past 30 years of not really having a lot of research in headache medicine. Uh, when the triptans came out back in, um, I think it was like 1991, that was the first medication, class of medications, the triptans, uh, sumatriptan, rizotriptan, zolmatriptan. They came out and they were designed specifically to get rid of a, a migraine attack. Mm-hmm. And they were the miracle drug for a lot of patients. And now there are seven different triptans on the market. We have different formulations, which is better because not always the oral um, formulation works as well as the injectable or the nasal spray. Mm-hmm. But now we have a new class of medications coming out that was developed on the pathophysiology of what we know goes on during migraine. And these this class of drugs called CGRP blockers or calcitonin gene-related peptide blockers were developed based on the pathophysiology of migraine. Everything else we used to prevent was borrowed from a blood pressure right. or an antidepressant. And um, we're seeing some great successes with this new class of medication. Right. And just what we know about the pathophysiology of migraines has grown so much. And now, not only do we now have a medicine that can target part of that patho, but we didn't really have a real good grasp on what was causing them before. You know, I've been um, teaching nursing school for 10 years now, and I've kind of always given the uh, neuropatho lecture. And I remember the first couple of years when I taught it, it was like, we don't really know what's causing a migraine. We just know that folks are having them and the pain is real. And every year it's gotten a little bit better and a little bit better. And now we're able to point a little bit more accurately to what exactly is is causing them, what's Mm -hmm. going on and you know once we find those things out then we can develop medications that target those different things so it's I agree it's a very exciting um, time in headache medicine and even just in primary care because the sheer number of people that you have that just go to the regular healthcare provider and not a specialist uh, with the complaints of headache I mean, it's probably over 50% of the people that come in the clinic, mm-hmm. especially if you ask. They may not come in with that complaint, but if you're doing a good review of systems and asking folks about things that are bothering them, mm-hmm. if you mention headaches, most of them are going to say, yeah, I have, mm-hmm. you know, at least once a week I have a headache, you know. So they did a survey and um, one third of the patients sitting in the primary care provider's office in their waiting room, one third of them um, have migraine. Wow. wow. Mm-hmm. 
You're just all kind of full of stats. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. If you want to uh, give us a call and talk with us about headaches, we would love to hear from you today. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email me at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and joining me today is Christina Trippendahl with the Headache Center in Ridgeland. And that's what we're talking about, guys. We're talking about headaches, and I guarantee you've either had one or you know or love someone who has had a headache. And they're all different kinds, and we're happy to talk about any of those today. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or as always you can shoot me an email at fit at mpbonline.org before we went on the break we were kind of talking about um, that we understand migraines a little bit better than we used to understand them and that there are some new medicines um, com- that are on the market and probably some more in the near future as this one proves to be relatively successful um, but one thing I want to touch on before we get to that because I feel like we're going to get uh a good bit of calls about that is you've mentioned that migraine is a diagnosis of history, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and that means answering, asking the right questions and getting the answers from those things. Um, but there are a couple of questions that you can ask yourself or a healthcare provider can ask you that have that it's very short, couple of questions, right? Mm-hmm. That um, have a pretty high probability of pointing to a migraine syndrome type um, headache pattern. And um, what are those questions? So um, this came from Dr. Richard Lipton, and he has ID Migraine, which is um, trademarked now. So you can actually go find it on the Internet. It's ID Migraine, and it's a screener. So if you've got a headache patient in front of you and, you know, if they're not um, having a fever or an illness or an infection um, and they have no red flags on their exam, if you ask them, in the past three months with your headaches, in the past three months, have you experienced any nausea with any of your headaches or any disability, like you couldn't unload the dishwasher, or you couldn't go to the, the game with your kids, or you you, you grocery like, store exactly. that kind of stuff. And um, did you have any sensitivity to light during those headaches? If they answer two out of three of those questions positive, they have a ninety three percent chance of having migraine. If they answer three out of three positive, then they have a ninety eight percent chance of having migraine. Wow. So if you're in a clinic where you don't have time to ask the entire um, 
you know, all the questions that you right. should ask. Like a headache the, specialist yeah, would. Yes. Right. But um, and we spend a lot of extra time. But if you can answer those, then you should really take a look at what we call the International Classification of Headache Disorders criteria and see if they meet them all. Right. So those are three kind of quick questions that if you're a healthcare provider, you can ask or if you're a patient, you might take those to your next Mm -hmm. office visit and say, look, I answered three out of three Mm -hmm. of these questions. Right. I really am concerned that I might have migraines. So that's good quick tips there. All right. We've got a couple of callers on the line. So first we'll go to Ocean Springs and talk with Peter. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. How are you? We're just fine. How are you? Yeah, well, thank you. I'm very interested in this topic you're discussing yeah. today. What question do you have for us? Well, I wanted to um, see if y'all could speak a little bit to, you were talking about migraines, mm-hmm. and um, from my experience with being a caregiver from somebody who, who suffers from head, head pain, uh, for a while there, we were looking to see if migraines were the issue, and what they ended up finding out was actually a condition called occipital neuralgia and thought it might be useful in the conversation to perhaps talk about distinctions mm-hmm. between what might a migraine be versus something like occipital neuralgia, uh, where there's a believed um, impingement of the nerve or something like that stemming from the C2 um, nerve root, root mm-hmm. the, 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 that, that nerve root at the back of your head. Um, I wanted to share a little bit about our experience trying to treat that situation as it was a little bit unorthodox, um, but still very effective. Uh, one, you know, there are these decompression surgeries that a lot of people have gone through, some of which are more successful than others. Uh, one of which was helpful for my friend uh, was seeing this doctor out of um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at Allegheny General Hospital. Dr. Um, Joe is his last name, J-H-O. He did a, a decompression surgery at the C2 uh, nerve root, which alleviated the head pain on one side of his head, but left his left side of his head still in quite a bit of pain. Um, and after quite a number of surgeries to re- remedy the problem, we found through a support group somebody who went to a doctor in Michigan named Dr. Lake Farjo, and he ended up uh, finding that there was a connection between um, shoulder girdle um, dysfunction and the trapezius muscles that attach to the occipital uh, area of the back of the head, um, causing nerves to not travel down the arm like traditional um, rotator cuffs might do. It was, but the nerve pain was actually shooting up into the head. And once that shoulder issue was addressed, his pain reduced to by like 80% improvement, which was a major uh, success for him, considering how debilitating. The pain had uh, pain had been to the point to where he couldn't sleep, and I think the previous caller had made a comment about having issues uh, where waking up with head pain four out of uh, seven days of the week. And in his my friend's situation, he was having head pain seven days a week, and specifically Non-stop. brought on mm-hmm. when laying down. Mm-hmm. So there may, there's just something there that that Dr. Leith Farjo spoke to saying he was seeing many more patients who were having shoulder they didn't realize that they had shoulder issues until they came to him but that they were referring to the head pain and it just so happened that a number of patients were reporting significant success with reducing head pain by addressing some shoulder girdle issues and some bursitis issues yep all right i'm gonna let uh, christina take it because she was looking excited while Mm -hmm. you were talking i think she knows a lot about this so uh, occipital neuralgia there's um two nerves that come out of the C2 nerve root from your spinal cord, and they are the largest unprotected nerves in the body, and they're just up underneath the scalp in the back of your head. So at the base of your skull, if you feel that little protruber- t- 
protuberance. That little knot back yeah. there. So that's where the um, occipital nerves come out, and they're bilateral. There's a greater occipital nerve and a lesser occipital nerve. Now, what um, he was describing is more of a secondary headache because you found an impingement mm-hmm. that was causing this. But just so you'll know, we... Uh, occipital neuralgia, if it's by itself without migraine, can be treated with nerve blocks that include lidocaine or marcaine. Uh, sometimes people do nerve blocks with steroids. We never do nerve blocks with steroids unless it's a cluster headache patient, just because the steroids can cause a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. And also, um, they, they're not supposed to work any better. And then if that fails, besides using drugs like Neurontin or muscle relaxers, then you can go on and you can get um, decompression. You can also get um, occipital nerve stimulators. The problem is, is a lot of times people get infections and lead migrations and they don't work. Mm-hmm. So we, we, the, we're trying to go the least invasive way right. as possible. Now, um, migraine, they used to think that um, migraine, um, if you had pain in your neck, that it wasn't migraine. It was called a cervicogenic headache or occipital neuralgia. Science has shown us now that the trigeminal nerve, which is activated during migraine, the trigeminovascular system is highly involved um, uh, part of migraine. That nerve in the front of your face, from your eyes, your cheeks, and your your jaw, connects in your brainstem to the C2 nerve root. Mm. And so when 70% of people who have migraine will say it starts in my neck and then it travels up. And a lot of people will think that, oh, if it's neck pain associated, that it's not migraine. And actually people report neck pain with migraine just as often as they do nausea. Um, so, but somebody who's got occipital neuralgia, they're probably not going to have all those other symptoms that a migranor would have, such as sensitivity to light and noise. But um, when you're having, you know, an impinged nerve in the back of your head, I, I actually have chronic neck pain mm-hmm. myself um, for 10 years. That kind of pain usually never goes away. And especially, it sounds like it got worse when he would lay down. So mm-hmm. when he's laying it's down, or he or she him. is laying down, it's it's causing some sensitivity. We call that cutane, cutaneous allodynia, mm-hmm. when something that's not a noxious stimuli actually causes pain. And after years and years and years of that, even though they fixed the shoulder, I can tell that he probably had some residual just hypersensitivity right. in that area. Right. So that's fascinating. And, you know, it sounds like it's almost like a continuum. So you could have mm-hmm. occipital neuralgia and also have migraine um, features mm-hmm. to that as well. So, again, all goes back to getting the right diagnosis so that you can get the right treatment. All right. Thank you for that call, Peter. We're going to go to um, Dave in Mobile. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. How are you? Very good. And yourselves? I can't complain. What good can well. we help you with today? Okay, I worked for many years in a profession that required me to constantly read um, medical reports. Mm-hmm. And I uh, found you know, a very high percentage of them, of course, contained a description of the pain level that the individual was experiencing. And nine times out of ten, the report was a nine or a 10. Mm-hmm. And I asked the physicians, had they described the scale and what each number means mm-hmm. as to a description? Because if you have a nine or a 10 pain level, you know, it's excruciating uh, to the point with a 10 of being almost, uh, you know, totally uh, uh, disabling. Mm-hmm. So my question is, when you ask your patients what is your pain level, 
at the same time do you explain the uh, you know the different numbers and what that number indicates as far as the level of pain? Sure, Dave. Um, and this is a very subjective scale. Right. Um, and yeah. in our clinic, because it's a headache clinic, we are asking about the pain level every single day. I can tell you I have people who are in my clinic, and I'll ask them how bad their headache is right now, and they'll be laughing and smiling and tell me it's a 10. Mm-hmm. And then I have some, especially sometimes some guys who say their <laughs> headache never gets worse than a 5. Mm-hmm. It never gets worse than a 5. And then I asked them, you know, can you do your job when it's its worst pain? Or has it ever, you know, made you leave the lawnmower and go lay down? They'll say yes. So people, this we, we realize this is a very subjective and it's not a perfect tool. So we're not asking just about the pain number because the pain, when, when Josie says her pain's a nine and mine's a nine, it could be two totally right. different things. And actually, not to minimize the pain of a migranor, but migraine pain compared to cluster headache pain is a totally different, different. scale as well. Migraine pain, you can't move. You, you don't want to move during it because the movement, like bending over and unloading the yeah. dishwasher, would make it worse. Makes your brain rattle around in your head. The pain of a cluster headache attack, which is a completely different thing, is about 200 times more than the pain of a migraine. I hate to say that, mm-hmm. but this is called suicide headache. And these people are in so much pain that they can't stand still. They have to rock and run around. And um, but they can have up to eight of those headaches per day. And a cluster headache attack is like having natural childbirth, but having eight attacks of natural Mm -hmm. childbirth per day. Those headaches never last longer than three hours. So the pain scales are very relative. We take that into consideration when we're talking to patients. Right. And then it's also important to remember that there are multiple pain scales for use depending on developmental ability of the patient. Um, So typically they're talked about in terms of what ages you use them with, but it's all about their developmental stage. So if I have an adult who has some developmental issues, I'm not going to use a zero to 10 scale on them because it requires that you understand that 10 is greater than zero and that five is less than eight and and those types of things. So there are things like the faces scale, Mm -hmm. which you can use, um, especially with pediatrics, right? That Mm -hmm. may not quite understand that um, greater than less than concept there. And then also uh, instead of just saying, you know, zero to 10, it actually, actually comes as a picture on something called a visual analog scale, which it looks like a ruler has a zero at one end and then a notch for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And it has words along the bottom that say like no pain, a little bit of pain, more pain, even more pain, and then the most pain ever. And so folks um, can then point on that scale to which area that they're feeling and you can then convert that out to a number. So it may not be um, just simply asking somebody zero to ten on that pain scale. So I hope that um, cleared that up a little bit there, but it was absolutely great question. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, we've got one caller on the line and we will get to you as soon as we come back from the break. So just keep holding on. And if you want to get on the line and talk with us today, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We'll be back after the break.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and I have Christina Trippendahl, nurse practitioner with the Headache Center in Ridgeland, uh, joining us today. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking all about headaches. If you want to um, speak with us about that, you can give us a ring at one eight seven seven mpb ring And that's one 672 7464 all right, we've had a caller uh, kind of hanging on with us for a couple of minutes, so we're going to go ahead and go over to um, Philadelphia and talk with uh, Charles this morning. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing real good. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for hanging on for us. What can we do for you today? Well, you uh, haven't mentioned the type of migraine that I have. Okay. When you have it, you don't. There's no doubt that you've got a migraine. <laughs> That's what I call the blind headache. Yes. Mm-hmm. It starts <clears throat> with a little these little zigzags mm-hmm. that start at the bottom of and, and work its way all the way across my vision. Right. And when it gets up there, you can only see half of what you're looking at, mm-hmm. and it goes on up and exit out at the top of my head. I mean, in my vision. Mm-hmm. Now, and, Charles, uh, I had my first one when I was 12 years old, and I thought I didn't know what in the world was mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. And it, but the pain was terrible. And I had them all through the years, but I'm 80, soon be 85, and uh, now I have the uh, blind part is just as bad as it ever was, but the headache is real mild now. Mm -hmm. And nobody in my family knew what in the world I was talking about back when I first started Mm -hmm. having them. You know, they didn't know what was wrong with me. Right. And uh, none of my family has had it except... a granddaughter mm-hmm. started having it. So what you have is ago. called migraine with aura. And a lot of people think if they don't have those symptoms that they don't have migraine. Mm-hmm. But actually migraine with aura only happens in about 20 to 30% of patients. And then they don't always get the aura. Now, there are three components of the aura, the visual that you just described. And how long does your visual aura, how long does that typically last before the pain sets in? Usually... Um Probably uh, 15 or 20 minutes. Okay. That's test, textbook classic. So it usually lasts anywhere from five minutes up to an hour, and then the head pain sets in. Some people, Josie, actually have aura without headache. That's a diagnosis as well. Um, and uh, another part of the aura can be a sensory aura where you feel either uh, – tingling or numbness from your hand going up to your mouth, usually on one side, and that can come in um, usually after the visual symptoms, and then the head pain starts. And then also sometimes people get trouble with their words. Um, It's called aphasia or dysphagia, where they're trying to say some words, but they don't come out right, like Serena Branson, Mm -hmm. the the newscaster. Do you get any of those, Charles? No, I don't. Okay. So 90% will get the visual, and those others are a lot less... um, uh, 
predominant? Um, and do you get any motor paralysis where you can't walk or no. double vision? So motor paralysis would be hemiplegic migraine, and double vision would be really bad. We would think of brainstem aura. So those are a little bit different, um, but they're, they're all in the international classification of headache disorders, and those are things that we're looking at every day. Let me tell you one thing, too, is that people who do have migraine with aura are at higher risk for stroke than somebody who um, smokes cigarettes. So we encourage those people to keep a very healthy lifestyle, be very proactive, especially men don't like to go to the doctor. Make sure you have your your lipids tested and your blood pressure checked and maybe um, do a cardiac workup. So we're trying to keep these people safe and and try not to be obese and watch what you're eating. I had read what you just told me years ago, and I have... uh Kept up a real healthy lifestyle. Good. Plenty of exercise, eat right, keep my weight down. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, so far I've been doing good. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you for giving us a call this morning, Charles. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I too, like Charles, have the visual. Now, mm-hmm. I don't always have the headache after I have the vision. Mm-hmm. I probably have at what he's scintillating a scotoma, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, a, and you can actually look that up on Wikipedia. Yeah. It's got a beautiful image. It does. And it is just like you mentioned, little black and white zigzaggy lines. And to me, the way mine start, it's almost like I looked at a light and have that um that kind of whited out spite mm-hmm. spot right there. And then it kind of starts to flash. Mm-hmm. And then the little black and white zigzag start. And it does start in one corner of the visual field and enlarges itself until mm-hmm. it marches all the way across um, your vision. And it to me, it appears that it's in one eye. But if you close that one eye, it's still there in the other eye because I've tried that. I was like, I'll just get a patch and I'll show it. But that's not mm-hmm. how it works. Um And mine, too, lasts about 15 minutes or so. And then I don't always have the headache, but um, sometimes I do. I usually try to go ahead and take some medicine when I have it. That way I'm trying to keep it from developing or getting as bad as it can be. And I also have olfactory um, Mm -hmm. symptoms. Like you might smell smell. a cigarette that's not there. Mm -hmm. And and that, I smell that every single day and Mm -hmm. multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. And we actually figured out what was going on with me because I was working a shift in the children's hospital. And I became very adamant that someone was smoking in the children's hospital. I was like, who is smoking Mm -hmm. in the children's hospital? And all the other nurses looked at me like... We say people like you have an enhanced neurologic system. Oh, yay. See, I'm special. (laughs) I am special. I always knew I was special. Um, But just like you mentioned, we are at increased risk for stroke. And Mm -hmm. so... Um, we actually found that when I was taking birth control pills, it was making it worse. I was having more um, of the auras mm-hmm. and more of the visual symptoms and worse headaches. So I actually had to stop using those mm-hmm. because those also increased your risk for stroke. And mm-hmm. so that was a no-go for me. So the um, the h- higher risk of stroke with birth control pills um, is more if you're taking more than 30 micrograms right. of estrogen or estradiol. Um, these days in, in the U.S., you can't even get anything higher than yeah. 35. And if, if you have migraine with aura, it doesn't mean that you cannot take estrogen. We just like you to be on 20 micrograms or less. So there's 20 micrograms. There's also 10 micrograms and also the Nuva Ring. So Dr. Ann Calhoun is one of my great friends. She does menstrual migraine. And she actually has proven that actually putting somebody on a low estrogen uh, birth control can actually decrease their auras. Right. And if we decrease their aura, we actually decrease their risk of stroke. Mm-hmm. 
Fantastic. So you need to decrease your aura. Oh, I need to decrease my aura. I need to do lots mm-hmm. of things. So but prevention. <laughs> prevention prevention is, key. is key. So I want to quickly, before we go to a break, I want to talk about a headache symposium because it's very exciting. We've got lots of cool folks coming to town to talk at this, right? Yes. Tell it's me very about this. Um, a friend of mine um, asked me to give a talk on a headache medicine, and I asked how long I had to talk, and he said eight <laughs> hours. And I said, well, people may get bored after six hours of just me. So I asked him if I could invite some friends. So I I invited a handful of friends, and that in, ended up being two handfuls of friends. And um, one of my friends from Yale, he said, why don't we ha- have a procedure workshop and make it a two-day event? So now we have speakers coming from Yale, from Stanford, from Harvard, from Columbia. I've got 15 of the best headache specialists in the country coming to Mississippi to do a two-day headache symposium on October 17th and 18th. And it will... Um, include 15 hours of continuing education CME. That's fantastic. It's exciting one that we've got a center in Mississippi that's attracting that kind of uh, talent to come and speak and that uh, that it's available for our physicians, our nurses, nurse practitioners, pain specialists, all these folks Mm -hmm. are eligible to come to this. Is there a website that they can go to? There is. The website is headachesymposium.org. Well, that's easy. That's easy. And, you know, we've got an opioid epidemic in this country and especially in the South. And all of us in headache medicine, we don't use opioids at all ever for treating headache medicine. We don't use barbiturates like Fioracet and Estic. And a lot of people say, well, I've been on that for years and it works for me. It's really not good medicine um, because it it causes more problems in the long term. It causes more rebound headache. It changes your brain's chemistry. And we've got so many better medications Mm -hmm. for prevention and attack. And um, so some of the speakers are, I mean, we have some speakers that are just talking about pediatric headache. I have a pediatric neurologist coming who's a friend of mine with a, um, he's also a fellow of the American Headache Society. I've got a psychologist that's coming to talk about the comorbidities that we treat with migraine. I've got um, an expert in sports concussion who's going to give a talk about um, sports related headache and, you know, um, post-traumatic headache. And, you know, we have so many vets now and, you know, TBI, that's really important. So we've just got every topic, you know, covered. We've got the secondary headaches. We're going to do that first. So what do I need to rule out? What's the bad headaches? And after we've ruled out the secondary headaches, we're going to go on to primary Primary headache headache disorders. That's really exciting. So it's headachesymposium.org if you're um, wanting some more information about that. Or if you um, want a brochure or a registration form, you can email me at fit at mpbonline.org. And I'm happy to point you in the right direction for that. So we're going to take our last break of the show. Now is the time to give us a call if you want to get your question or your comment on the air. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We'll be back after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome 
Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and in the studio with me today is Christina Trippendahl, headache medicine specialist with the Headache Center in Ridgeland, and we've had some great calls this morning about all different types of headaches. And if you're wanting to uh, get on the line with us, now's the time to give us a ring. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can always email me at fit at mpbonline.org. All right, so we have covered a lot of stuff, but there's still some stuff I want us to get to, in particular this new medicine that's out there. Um, It is a, uh, you mentioned earlier in the show, it's kind of the first medicine out there that we're not borrowing from another disorder for prevention, right? Because we'd use Mm -hmm. some blood pressure medicines to prevent migraines. We use some antidepressants, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But um, this medicine is for prophylaxis, so the Mm -hmm. prevention of a migraine, and it's made just for migraines. And what is it? What class of medicine is that? So it's called CGRP um, antibodies or receptor blockers or blockers. Um, There's different types. But basically, they've been studying CGRP for 30 years. So uh, a couple of scientists discovered this neuropeptide 30 years ago. And what they found out was when um, a migraine is activated, you get um, trigeminal activation. And that trigeminal activation, the um, nerve in your face leads up into the meninges and those covering your brain. Mm-hmm. And the menin- meninges, you, what happens with those uh, nerves is they release neuropeptides onto the blood vessels, and the blood vessels get dilated, engorged, and, and react. They used to say migraine was a vascular disorder. Right. No, that, we don't say that anymore. It is a trigeminovascular disorder, and the blood vessels, their reaction is just part of the cascade. Right. Now, there's several neuropeptides and neurotransmitters that are released during the activation of a migraine at this point, and one of them that is markedly um, elevated during a migraine is called CGRP, and that stands for calcitonin gene-related peptide don't know why he had to name it that way. But so what they found out is in people who have migraine, if, if we inject CGRP into people who have migraine, it will induce a headache. And then if we give them a triptan to abort that headache, after that, after they have taken the triptan, it goes, the CGRP level comes back to normal. Mm-hmm. So they've been studying this. So they tried to make it in a pill. And the pill that they started with had some liver toxo- toxicity. So then they decided to put it into a different delivery system. So the injectable form once a month. So three companies by this fall will have an injectable form of this medication that you take, um, inject it into your leg, arm, or stomach. And you can take... Um, it once a month, and some of them will have it where you can take it once a quarter or mm-hmm. once every three months, and it prevents your migraines. And the goal is to prevent half or 75% of your migraines, but some of these drugs are doing so well that about a quarter of them have a, a chance of getting rid of all their headaches. Wow, that is very impressive, and we may get a chance to talk about it a little bit more, but I do want to get to our callers that are on the line. Uh, we'll go right here in Jackson and talk to Lynn. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. What can we help you with? Um, ocular auras, uh-huh. which I've read about, like at the Mayo Clinic online, mm-hmm. and apparently aren't really related to migraines, but I have them from time to time mm-hmm. and just think it's, 
I just would like to know more about it, <laughs> if you have something to say about ocular aura. Sure. So there's um, the, the language and, and, and migraine and headache medicine has changed and evolved over the years. So 20 years ago, they might have called it ocular migraine, but now it's called migraine with aura. Mm-hmm. So if you want to look up more about migraine with aura, you can, you can Google that term. And I would also go to what's called the International Classification of Headache Disorders, and that's where we, we get the definition. And anybody can go there. It's ICHD3 because the third version has come out. So there's new every time they have a new version, it's different te- terminology. But we had a man on earlier who was dis- discussing his ocular migraine or migraine with aura, and it's usually a visual disturbance. It can also right. be sensory or language involved in that. Um, and it usually lasts anywhere from uh, five minutes to 60 minutes before the head pain starts. Now, we do have outliers. Some people, the aura will last during the whole migraine. That's a little bit different. Um, and you can have aura without headache. A lot of uh, We have patients who have aura and then never get the head pain. And then Josie was saying she gets that sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. But um, they don't use the word ocular migraine. Now, there's another type of migraine called, um, there's a couple others with the eye. There's hemiplegia. I mean, um, um, and I'm going to forget the term for that one, um, ophthalmoplegic migraine. That's where you actually... I can't imagine uh, why you'd forget that. Ophthalmoplegic migraine. The uh, that, that usually <laughs> happens more in children, and you get like a third nerve palsy with that. Um, and then there's retinal migraine. Retinal migraine um, is when you actually totally lose vision in one eye, and you definitely need to have that worked right. up with both an MRI scan with close cuts of the, the um, that area mm-hmm. and also an, an eye exam as well. And, and I have talked to my ophthalmologist about this, and it's not retinal. It's just it's that kind of half circle visual yeah. image yeah. that yeah. comes and lasts for mm, it seems like a long time, but you know probably no more than ten minutes. Yeah, or so. yeah that's classic migraine that. with aura. And if you go online and look up scintillating scotoma, it's spelled with an S C. But if you look okay. up scintillating scotoma, you can find some really great drawings of just what you have. Mm-hmm. And it's usually in a C, and it usually starts out with a small, you know, pixelated uh, picture, and then it kind of gets bigger, and then kind of marches away. March is a term that's used in it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I say migrates because it just mm-hmm. kind of migrates across your visual field. Mm-hmm. But you know, just like um, Christina mentioned, you don't have to have the headache afterwards with that. Um, I still try and record it so I can keep track of how many of those suckers I'm having as well because I feel like that's valuable information to give um, to a healthcare provider uh, when you're having those. Would you treat that the same? If they're not having the headache, do you try to treat the okay. aura? So, well, there's two different schools of thought. They're in in the in the clinical trials when they tried to treat with, say, a triptan at the onset of the aura instead of waiting for the head mm-hmm. pain. They said that it didn't make a difference, and it was they, so they said don't treat during the aura phase. But all of us in clinical practice, mm-hmm. I can tell you, especially at the symposium, we would all tell our patients treat as soon as the aura comes, especially if you know your aura doesn't last that long, mm-hmm. especially if you're taking an oral medication. And by the way, we're getting away from oral medication and headache medicine. We would rather you take your drugs either by a nasal spray or a nasal powder or. Um, an injectable um, home injection that you can do because the gut's not working during migraine. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of people say those medicines never worked. It's because they were not getting not dissolved. So we have better technologies. We have rapid release technologies. We have extended release technologies. And we actually have devices now that are FDA approved for the attack of migraine and cluster that you actually, there's a handheld device that you can put on your um, vagus nerve to get rid of the headache. Gosh. All right. So thank you for your 
your call. And uh, thank you, Christina, for being on the show. We had lots of great callers. There were a couple we didn't get to. So if you would shoot me an email at fit at mpbonline.org, I would love to answer your question or get you in contact with Christina. Um, As always, thank you for listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I've been your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, and my amazing guest has been Christina Trippendahl with the Headache Center. Um, Make sure you tune in every single weekday at 11 a.m. for the full Southern Remedy lineup. And we'll be back next week with another show for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Thank you.